0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this installment of our Brandon Sanderson series. We hope you'll join us by clicking on the Reading Challenge link at our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com, or to keep it simple, just send us your thoughts on the books on our website, on Facebook, or on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and welcome to The Legendarium. This is a terrible intro. Should we do a real intro? Oh, were you rolling? I'm sorry you should be (laughs) that wasn't a real
1: intro it's as real as any other intro it was (laughs) was
2: real to me
0: so welcome everybody uh welcome to the Legendary podcast finally uh we are embarking on our 2016 uh adventure before we get there i of course am craig hanks Uh, Let's see He's so old Something insulting about being old That's Todd Wente Thank you Muffin Brain He's dumb It's Ken Johnson And he's a a total dork Blah 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 It's Ryan Bruckman Wow Yeah I could not spare (laughs) Any brain power For insults today uh, Because honestly I just I'm just having one of those days Because he's on the verge Of being
1: able to do a man bun His IQ has dropped significantly Somebody (laughs) spent the last
0: six weeks Being
2: creative
3: I just want to point out the fact that he said he can't spare any brain power for creativity <laughs> i'm just saying
0: <laughs> <laughs> um no it's be, partly because uh, i'm just so darn excited to actually talk about the book uh so we are starting our 2016 brandon sanderson reading challenge uh, with, the sanderson. Uh, with the accompanying uh the accompanying podcast series you guys are the
1: worst. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Ken made it awkward. <laughs> Year of Sanderson. Sanderson. No, you made it awkward. I, I'm capitalizing on the awkwardness oh, here. Right. Well, I have
0: missed you guys. <laughs> so thank you. Yes, but your aim is improving. It sure is.
1: Shut up. <laughs>
0: Thank you to everybody who has joined us uh, at worldswithoutend.com. Uh, join the reading challenge. Uh, and, and all of those, honestly, who are participating in a more unofficial way. I know there are those out there who haven't bothered to sign up for the challenge, but who are reading a bunch of Sanderson anyway. Glad on to have you aboard. And we are very yeah, happy yeah, to have right. you with us. Uh, by the way, I've been working on some nicknames for our fans. Do you guys have any ideas? Um, I was thinking, like, like Legendaria, the, the Latin plural
2: I always just call them the Legion because I didn't have anything else. Legion creative. would be
0: good. I was also thinking Fantasticals. Fantasticals. Uh, no. Yeah, make sure no. <laughs> <would>. <laughs> no. Make sure you <laughs> <know>. no. Make <laughs> sure you enunciate that a. No.
3: No. By all that is holy. No.
0: I win the game. <laughs> um, no, but we, so we do have a few people. The reason why is just because I I wanted to address a few of those who have been pers- participating. You can sign up not just for the reading challenge and read the books and whatnot, but we do have a forum there at worldswithoutend.com. Where you can kind of uh, get in, chat about the books a little bit, chat with us. Uh, And there have been a few people who have uh, gotten started and seem to be having a good time with it. One of my favorites is uh, Wee Sam, who I imagine is either a a very small Scottish uh, Samuel (laughs) or a very small Scottish Samantha,
1: maybe. Uh, either way they're small and scottish <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: i wouldn't have gone there but okay I... <laughs> <laughs>
1: we sam right i figured it was just sam no but, with but
0: check this out check this out so on it. on january 4th we sam says i keep meaning to read sanderson but so many books so little time so i'm joining in to give me that push i need to actually start and i'm hoping that once i start i won't want to stop
3: that is exactly what's going to happen your <laughs> life case. will never so, be the same.
0: 5 days later. I'm going to start this weekend with Steelheart, light fun urban fantasy with superheroes. Sounds like exactly what I want. And then 2 days later, first book done, Steelheart. This is going to be the easiest challenge ever. I'm already halfway through Firefight. <laughs> Why did I wait so long to read Sanderson? Oh, very Um, cool. It's true. And you
1: haven't even touched the best stuff yet. Shouldn't Brandon
3: Sanderson be paying for us for this? Uh,
1: uh, You know what? I would just accept a, you know, a a A five-minute interview. A five-minute interview. Brandon? Brandon. All right, here's... Uh, Are we on a first name with him him now? There's
0: one more. This is the most (laughs) gratifying thing because uh, a few days later, or a couple weeks later... I read Elantris this weekend. This is still We Sam, by the way. Oh, okay. I read Elantris this weekend, and by weekend, I mean I started it Saturday morning and didn't get out of bed until I had finished it a number of hours later. Three books in, and I am now a firm convert to Sanderson. Awesome. Nice. That, Very cool. as far as I'm concerned, is a happy ending. I'm here, already more effective here than I am on my mission. <laughs> <laughs> here, here is the
2: blatant pandering suck up, Brandon Sanderson. If you're listening, he has already paid us by giving us these books.
3: Oh, that boom. was so that was boom. so sweet.
2: It was about as saccharine
1: as you can make anything. <laughs> I think I've got diabetes all of a sudden from that. <laughs> Easy there, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I can recover from that,
0: uh, you guys want to get started on alloy of Law. Let's talk about yes. alloy of Law. Speaking of a book you're not gonna be able to put down. so right? Uh, all right, oh. so I'll give my little my my two cents and then we'll get into it. Upon hearing the premise of the Alloy of Law, I imagine the two most likely reactions are either sighing in relief or holding one's breath in terrified anxiety. Brandon Sanderson takes us back to Skadriel, the beloved world of Mistborn, several hundred years after Vin, Elend, and Saezed saved, destroyed, and then remade the world. There are no more Mistborn. Individuals can still have allomantic or ferrochemical abilities, but they are limited to a maximum of one power from each category. Now, about the current iteration of the world of Mistborn. Multiverse theory posits an infinite number of universes with infinite combinations of possibilities. Keep that in mind, and I suppose it's not that much of a stretch that in this book, Allomancy and Farukumi exist in a world that is technologically almost identical to late 19th century England or America. Pistols and rifles, steam engines and horses' carriages, bowler hats and pocket watches. This is very familiar territory. What's unfamiliar is the new cast of characters, and what characters they are. Wax and his sidekick Wayne are lawmen, skilled investigators, and gifted fighters, each with a past he'd rather not think too hard about. They meet Marasi, a gifted young criminologist who gets a rude transition from the classroom to the real world. Together they must stop Miles' Hundred Lives, a former lawman-turned-criminal mastermind bent on bringing down what he sees as an oppressive central government. In the end, Miles is defeated and his plans ruined, but ultimately he served a more important purpose than that of obligatory bad guy. Miles was there, along with the hero Wax, to make us think back to the very first book in the Mistborn series and ask, who exactly was Kelsier, and why was he the good guy?
3: Hmm. Ooh. That's an interesting take.
0: So, yeah, the the thing that finally drove it home, the thing that made me kind of smack my forehead and go, oh my gosh, this was amazing... Was the epilogue when Marasi mm-hmm. goes in, and she meets Iron Eyes, Iron Eyes Marsh, and he says uh, he says of Wax, he's going about my my brother's work, uh, which is yeah. something that I tend to encourage or something along those lines. Uh, but wait, Wax is a lawman and a nobleman to boot, uh, and Kelsier obviously hated both of those things. So what's different? What was? What was Kelsier's work, and how was Wax about it?
1: I mean, I've got my theory. Um, I would uh, argue... I mean, Kelsier's whole purpose was to roughly uh, get the that class that had been beaten into submission to realize that they could have better. And while he hated the aristocracy, he hated all those those people... His goal wasn't necessarily purely like it wasn't purely to to bring them down. That was just a side effect of what he was trying to do in terms of mm-hmm. you know overturning the system that has happened. And Wax is um, as a lawman, he's trying to pull. I think I, you know.
3: I, I think there's I, a, I think there's a moment in the at, toward the end of the book where in the conversation between Miles and Wax, when Miles says, "You've seen it too," I know you've seen it, and Wax goes, "Yes, I have," but he's still. Bound by the idea of morality, of right and wrong. And I think Marsh is indicating that as soon as Wax recognizes the inherent uh, injustice that, uh, that always seems to follow those who have unlimited power or nearly unlimited power, that he will, in fact, turn against that same system as well. And that—that's what he started moving in in its process. Really, Uh, although I did
0: not get that.
3: I think I think Marsh is is suggesting that that's a natural outcome. I don't think that Sanderson will take it in that direction. I think we're setting Wax up to be the kind of hero that leads a social revolution within this process, uh, which mirrors very much what was going on in eighteenth century, uh, late 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 eighteenth, early nineteenth century. Uh, And even into early 20th century America and Europe as class clashes and rules change. So that's that's what I that's what I kind of saw being projected. But of course, we all know how right I was on the last Mistborn series. (laughs) So take everything that I said, wad it up, throw it in a dustbin. And that's probably where it's going to land.
0: If I were to boil down Kelsier's fight into one word, it would be freedom. He was all about yeah. giving the people back their freedom and deposing a tyrant, right? And, uh, and Wax's role as a lawman isn't necessarily antithetical to that. I agree. Because you can – just because there is a government doesn't mean you aren't free, right? Correct. This is one of those things uh, – sorry, Ryan – <laughs> I know you're going to hate this. Uh, I, I like the fact that everything comes back to politics. It, with uh, me, well, Craig. it is it is applicable today, <laughs> I, I think, because libertarians um, there they are two really annoying to me, really annoying uh, classes of of uh, political thought. One's libertarianism, the other's progressivism. One, because libertarians have this reflexive distrust of any central authority, mm-hmm. any government. Um, and progressives, on the other hand, have they've developed this unshakable trust in, you know, central government uh, experts, that sort of thing. Um, but in neither case, I think, do they understand what that role of a good government could be, which is to secure the freedom and the rights of the people that they govern. And so... You know, you think about uh, what Kelsier was fighting against. It was a uh, god king, a, a government that was not guaranteeing or upholding the freedom of its citizens. Um, whereas Wax sees a system that is not corrupt. He sees a system where people do have lives they can lead, freedom, Un- and and so he doesn't. The he end. doesn't feel. Maybe, maybe
3: until the end, and I think that's where. Um, I think that's why Marsh is is taking that position that Miles was a Miles was a pawn in moving forward a certain agenda.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I guess we're going to try to avoid as many spoilers as we can, or are we going to not care about it anyway? No, at this point, Miles is a Miles is a pawn moving forward an agenda, and when Wax comes face to face with that, I I I got the sense that it was. I disagree with the motives. I disagree with the process, but I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of what that um, of of what that attempt was all about. Miles very much wants the right things to happen for the right reasons, um, or at least that's his stated desire. And wax resonates with that.
0: No, no bad guy thinks he's the bad guy, right? No bad right.
3: guy. You know, one of the most interesting things is, um, and I, I remember reading this, um, thinking about this and talking about this with one of my friends uh, while I was reading this. Not, not somebody who's reading it, but we were talking about the idea that if you read uh, the letters of people like uh, Two-Gun Kelly and uh, you read about Al Capone and some of the letters that he wrote while he was in prison. They all saw themselves as being unfairly imprisoned because they were just looking out for family. They were just trying to do the right thing. They were just responding to people who were evil and bad to them. Um, It's fascinating, and it's a really interesting psychological study.
0: Duly noted. Anyone anyone else?
3: I got all of you quiet even for a second. That was cool.
0: (laughs) Uh, anybody else have points you want to bring up? Are you freaking kidding me? You're not specifically on that piece. No, I, know I saw <laughs> on Anything else? You know all the Did, fun did we anybody else right read before this, before this book? Was, I'm,
2: I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how you guys got so much out of this because I'm just like this book is cool. Can take us to the punchin. Well, no, it was. I I, I agree. It was about it was about freedom, but I just saw it as well at first. I just saw it as waxes. Attempt to free himself from his family, from the uh, responsibilities of being a lord in this big, fat city, and he just he got out of town. He wanted the the, the freedom of of the the what the, the prairie roughs. life. The, well, it's the roughs, Home but I'm on the range. What, what's it called the, the the frontier. He wanted he wanted to be out on the frontier, and for, absolutely. So he got out of there, and for twenty years, he was happy with that, and then.
3: Interesting that yet again one of the one of the issues that Brandon Sanderson dealt with in Mistborn and he deals with it here is how much do we owe responsibility to uh, to others and how much do we owe responsibility to ourselves? He dealt with it with Elland, he deals with it now with Wax. Well, um, and that's, I got a kick out of that. I, I, I love the fact that he's that he recognizes that that issue is a central human issue that doesn't it transcends time, and I'm wondering why we're or wondering if. It won't be something that he uses in the next series and in the rest of his writings. That as well. I'm still, I'm still working my way through a lot of his stuff as well.
2: Well, it's responsibility that brings Wax back to the city. Uh, you know, the greater responsibility is is Uncle dies, and his sister dies, and now he's the lord of the house. His his house, which is a descendant of Breeze,
1: by the way, which is awesome. <laughs> so I just think that's that's so cool. That's that's one thing. This. About this series that's been, it's an interesting thing. You could very easily have, uh, Brendan Sanderson could have written a direct lineage line story. Uh, The fact is, is we're seeing the world as it's affected by these people 300 years later. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting to see how what we know happened and the perception of what happened has changed. Yes. Yeah.
3: He's done a wonderful job with that.
1: So, and it's the, and anytime they talk about the religious aspect of things, you know, what religion do you belong to? Um, you're a survivorist. Oh, you're a... Oh, you're a you're pathian. A pathian. pathian. Uh-huh. You're, you're, you're a know. sliverist. Yeah, yeah any Sliverism of those things. Well. It's very interesting as we go back, we, like, we know the story of what really occurred there, and there's these variations and, and warped senses of what's happening, and the only real firm piece that you get back is when is when you get back to marsh the the one person who was actually part of that um i don't know i I just thought it was interesting going through and i never felt like it was too uh he could have very made, made that very much heavy-handed in terms of really so things like that
0: speaking of which was uh harmony i guess uh formally it? was mm-hmm. he actually talking to wax throughout the book i think so yeah yeah. although uh, and,
3: well, and, well not not throughout the welcome book but when he had his one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that when you want to pray if you're a Pathian when you want to meditate you put in your earring you pierce your yeah. skin with metal it's a yeah. um, I, I found that very especially because I remember the last time that somebody had been pierced with metal I was like oh no not them too mm-hmm. and
2: this time it's not
3: quite so sinister right so far as we uh, can tell
2: but well, it's it's very much similar. It's a hemolergic spike that all of, he puts that in, and now says that now harmony's talking to him. It's oh, hey.
0: oh interesting. Yeah, 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 I, you know, I, I didn't even yeah, think of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know that's, why that's, I didn't. Think that, of that. That, that's and when that. Was, that's, that's whenever was,
2: he's talking to him is he's got his earring in and he's doing his meditations. Yeah.
3: And that was one of the things that was really interesting for me too. We we brought up Um I, I like the fact that there was an indication that hemolergy is still in play as well. Um, and so we see iron eyes show up. We see the girls disappear. I'm sitting here saying to myself, there's all kinds of nastiness that could be happening. Now I'm looking for, I'm, I'm looking to see some really interesting things happen in the next book because I'm, I'm betting that in the next one, we see the evolution of hemolurgy in the same way that we've seen the evo- uh, evolution of the Mist powers. And but why,
0: why does it have to be nefarious though? Because now... Uh, ruin and preservation are combined, right? I don't know. Says it holds both of those shards. I, but because could they
1: not st- sorry, but could they not still? Um, we haven't seen a Mistborn in a while. Could they not still create a Mistborn using the hemallergic process? Uh, yes. There you go. Yeah. And, oh.
3: and if they created a Mistborn through the Hemalurgic process, um, it sounds to me, it feels to me like. The ones who would be doing that would be this cabal mm-hmm. that somehow Lord Ladrian uh, is responsible or connected with.
1: Right, I think that we could be seeing that, um, and we say Mistborn. If you become a Mistborn using hemology, you are a Steel Inquisitor, essentially. That's yes. what they were. Um, so I could see a return of the Steel Inquisitors uh, towards the in this series at some point, but I don't know. I don't know if he's going to fall back on that or what exactly is going to be the case because we have to remember this is a standalone this book isn't supposed to be prefacing necessarily what's going to be coming in in the wax and wayne trilogy it's a standalone i'm sure it's there's connections but um you have to isolate this piece and just say what happens in here may not have anything to do with what's coming
3: i agree and i recognize that but knowing sanderson the way that we do i can't uh, you, you don't I, can't help, but, I yeah. can't help but I can't help but speculate.
2: Uh, spoiler alert: it it does tie into <laughs> the other ones. <laughs> okay. It, well, thank you, Ken.
1: Shut
0: up. You don't <laughs> have to
2: read Alloy of Law to understand the trilogy that comes after it, but they tie in.
1: Okay. Okay. So there
2: you go. Not surprised. Uh,
0: you guys want another listener note? Sure. Yeah. This one's from Jeff, who, if you will recall, from like a year and a half ago. Won the uh, Mistborn oh, drawing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah the, yeah, the sign book that we. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, he sent in a note uh, uh, and, you know, just kind of what the Alloy of Law, his little review, what it meant to him. Um, and he says, I want to get you guys' take on this. He says, The Alloy of Law shouldn't work, but it does. Part Western, part Sherlock Holmes, enveloped in the familiar wrapper of the Mistborn trilogy or the Mistborn mythology. The interaction of Allomancy and the hybrid Western mystery genre, especially the introduction of guns, is what sets this series apart from any other. How did you guys feel about the kind of fusion aspect of this? Loved it. I loved it. Really? Oh, my goodness. Ryan? Uh, Yeah, I agree with it. Uh, For (laughs) us, it's... I, I love that I, look he gave me. By the way, you're just so bored. Right. Oh yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah. I, I. But
1: we were. The thing is, we are all aware that this is Sanderson's plan, um, even before the last uh, Shadows of Self and Bands of Mourning came out. And is that his concept is to go and showcase how this this uh, I guess magic system would evolve into in time uh, through if you really look at his Cosmere as a whole. Where yes. You're really looking yes. at it differently, but Man. the fact is, if, if you have if you have any questions about that now, in terms of you know how does it work in the Wild West, just wait till they get to space travel because that's oh, his I next can't step. Wait, right? Elements he's going to be fueling space travel,
0: right? I, I guess what it comes down to is he could have, to me anyway, he could have gone and made a book that had a western feeling to it, but no, he went all the way with it you know yeah. railroad robberies and uh and top hats or what you know whatever oh, sure uh the whole shebang it was a straight up steampunk western novel absolutely with allomancy in it absolutely and i think your your feeling about this book and whether it works is going to be directly
1: correlated to how you feel about that genre which is why I mean, it worked to me,
2: because um, it's my bread and butter. I mean, I, I love this I stuff.
1: Would, I might argue against that. I don't think it actually matters, your feelings towards Westerns, because I don't much care for Westerns, but it still works. I guess um, I'm, I'm thinking more of steampunk than true Westerns. Steampunk is, I wouldn't necessarily classify this as steampunk, um, because that's a visual But he has of, goggles
0: on the cover. Yes, yes, that's, that's why we think
1: that. And
3: there, there's there's certainly elements that the steampunk movement, if you want to call it that, has adopted. Some of those mm-hmm. pieces are very, some of those set pieces are used very effectively. But the 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 idea, even for steampunk, was that what if, what if things had, what if things had changed slightly during that period of time, how much different would that have made the way that things evolved there? And how much different would it have made the way that things evolve here? And I think that's kind of what Brandon Sanderson is doing is he's saying, Hey, things are going to evolve in certain ways, as far as human beings faced with the challenges of distance travel and all of these kinds of things. Railroads make an, make a am I'm, I'm sure their rail gauge was different, but I'll bet they you know, the, the idea of why the railways go the way that they do. He, in fact, there's a moment in the book where he talks about the fact that the railways run parallel to the canals that were there, which is very much what's happened throughout Europe and throughout the United States. All of our major railways and indeed, eventually, all of our interstates follow major waterways that were used to transport goods and services back and forth. Um, It's a nice nice, um, take to say these things stay pretty consistent for human beings, but let's just tweak it a little bit with allomancy and see how that changes things slightly um i i really for me that that part of it was very satisfying because it felt complete it felt relatable and it felt like a story that i could that i could understand without having to adopt a whole new a whole new system of viewing things if you will
0: okay All right. Uh, Now that you just got done talking for two or three minutes. uh, Why does he always
3: say that about me? He never says that about
0: you. Hey, I do it all the time, man. No, I've just, uh, you were the next person I was going to go to for a point. Uh, But I'm still still going to do it. Oh, okay. Go. Go, Todd. Fly like the wind.
3: (laughs) Um, I love his treatment of Wax and Wayne as characters. Um, one of the th- one of the things about Brandon Sanderson that that all of us have mentioned that we really enjoyed is his world building ability, but in this book, as perhaps more than any of the others, it was a great character study, lots of fun moments, um, his his treatment of the relationship between Wax and Wayne. Um, for me, was probably the one of the most delightful things that I have read in the last six months. I laughed out loud. My wife kept looking at me as I was reading through the book and saying, "If you're going to laugh, you have to go in another room." And I said, <laughs> "I'm sorry. I'll promise I won't laugh." And then I would read, and I would go, <clears throat> and she'd say, "All right, that's out. You're out. You have to leave," because I I, I just couldn't help it. Um, Wayne's Wayne's um, self deprecating manner. Uh, his ability to look her at the the one moment where he says, "Oh yeah, a lot." Oh, in fact, I, I pulled this one up. Uh, Let's see if I can open it fast enough. Uh, Bomb. Um, uh, so you traded a dead man's gun. This was this is when they're over at uh, I think they were at Renette's, um, and they were talking about things. And and she says, "So Marasi said you traded a dead man's scarf for another dead man's gun, but the gun itself belonged to someone dead. So by the same logic." Don't try," Waxillium said. "Logic doesn't work on Wayne. I bought a ward against it from a t- off a traveling fortune teller." Wayne explained, "It lets me add two and two and get a pickle." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I loved it.
1: There's. A, I've read the book and I didn't follow you just now. <laughs> there is a uh, a different uh, difference in the approach of the humor in this because very different. Oh, it's very different. Much more
0: slapstick, almost. Uh, it just it's it's, it's yeah. more outright funny. Yeah, the other yes. misborn books. You yeah. Yes, you're going
1: to say. Yeah, there's there's plenty of humor in the other Mistborn books, and in, in the sense of these people trying to deal with a very heavy task at hand, and so they keep humor and you know their personalities and their their uh, chemistry between each other really uh, helps to make you still feel like you're enjoying this very heavy piece. Whereas in this one, you have two separate characters who their their chemistry is very much that of a vaudeville duo. Like the two, like they're straight man and yep. the setup guy. Yep. And you've introduced a third character who's trying to figure out this con- relationship. That is one of those things that you just kind of go, it is what it is. And, it, and the comedy in the entire story is, yeah, I I wouldn't use the term slapstick, but more uh, along those lines is, is accurate enough.
3: It's more obvious um, and uh, it's, it's more, I think he's designed it more as, Moments of comedy for the readers. It's not about it. It's it's not about the subtlety of the humor that existed in the first Mistborn book, which was how they're dealing with situations. No, I, I, I see this as these are moments that Brandon Sanderson has designed to give the readers a breath, uh, a breathing point, a spot to to stop and go. Oh, that was funny, and now let's get back into the heavy stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. The yeah. the humor in the first Mistborn trilogy was much more. I felt deliberate. Uh, this one was much more integrated.
3: Uh, I'll I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Anyway. As a way of describing it, I'll buy that.
0: So can I just go, let me go back a little bit to uh, before I ever read this book. Um, This is actually the first time I've read it. Mistborn is, uh, as a trilogy, it's one of my favorites. It's possibly my favorite just under the Lord of the Rings. Um, But I I was really reticent to read this. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. Uh it's I, I would hardly call him inept in this area, but naming characters and places has never been <laughs> Brandon Sanderson's strongest area, in my opinion. I Ryan just hates me for this. He doesn't get it. Um but anyway, Wax and Wayne. Just, I love it. So I heard that and I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Wax and Wayne, are we really doing that? Um, I loved
1: it. And, I think it works, but it's okay to have Fatty Bulger, Mount Doom, and <laughs> Sheila
3: and Tom Bombadil.
0: Anyway, uh, but and yeah, Ori, s- Dori and Ori. Yeah, that
1: was original. <laughs> <laughs> We're treading on very dangerous learn, ground.
0: Learn some history, haters. <laughs> 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 Le- read some Icelandic poetry every now and then. Then talk to me about Dory Nori Orioin and Gloin and Biffer Buffer and Bomber and whatever. Anyway, and Tom Bombadil. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. That didn't throw any of you guys off at all, like Not Wax annoysed. and Wayne. No. no, I it, it did at the very first. Like, oh, I see what you did there. But I I kind of like it just because the, they play they play off each other very well. I did notice that he never made that an explicit joke in the book. In no. fact, he made it a point to call him Waxillium versus. You know, referring to them as Wax and Wayne all the time. Yeah.
1: Which, well, and it's specific as to which characters he allows to refer to each other, refer to him as Wax versus right. Waxilium. Um, the majority of the the city world calls him Waxi- Lord Lord, Lord, or Lord, Lord Yeah. Whereas Wayne is really the only one who calls him Wax consistently, and Renette. Yeah. Um, and people who knew I can't him from the Marassi. Rocks.
2: No, she always calls him Waxillium, Waxillium. or Lord yeah, Waxillium Waxillium Waxillium. or Lord Ladrion, yeah. But he gave her permission to call him Wax, mm-hmm. and she yes. still
3: wouldn't, which I thought was, I, I found well, that very interesting. Age. Because she's
2: yeah. a right, proper girl, she is. Well,
3: something like that.
0: Okay. Uh, so let's talk about the abilities, then. Uh, the powers, having moved from the original Mistborn yeah, into this one. Um different
2: now. Um, later we got to talk kind about those little bits, little bits how, are different.
0: How interesting... That in light of his uh, Brandon Sanderson's second law, uh, that he sets up these cool new abilities, uh, I'm talking about like steel bubbles and that sort of thing. He right. sets up these cool new abilities, and then part of the time, or with with half of these things, he doesn't really do much with them. We hardly see steel bubbles at all. Right. It, we see a lot with um the time bubbles which but but he's but he has obviously really internalized that second law which states uh, Ryan what how does it go that a character's limitations—that's what it is. Oh, like, uh, the <laughs> <Like> power. This, <laughs> the which laws are you referring to? The, the, the Brandon Sanderson's three laws. Uh, the second one is about superpowers or magic systems, and that limitations are more interesting mm-hmm. than their the powers themselves. Right. And so he has obviously internalized that, and he says, "Okay, I've got these this cool new way to use these powers. How does that break down?" And, and that he immediately goes to, "What are the what are the flaws? What are the limitations?" Um, you know, and so we see this steel bubble in the beginning, but then everybody has aluminum bullets and they can go right through the speed bubbles and, or whatever they're steel
2: bubbles. The, the, the bubbles, the bubbles are different. I like, I like the fact it seems like, um, speaking specifically of the steel bubbles, it's, it's an example of a character finding new and unique ways to use his power that somebody else might have. Coin shots, he, uh, do you say coin shots are, are fairly common in, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're they're everywhere. Anyway, um, but it's it's wax finding a different way, a unique way to use his power, rather than just you know pick up something metal, shoot it at somebody else. He's figured out this way to
1: manipulate the power so that it can kind of act as a defensive force. Mm-hmm. This this is t- this takes us all the way back to our discussion about um, Alimentsi in this time new mm-hmm. time period. Uh, these things had to develop because technology has developed a, a way around the way things worked before. Right. You can't so,
3: push a bullet because it's moving too fast. Yeah. but you can deflect a bullet. I love that.
1: Yeah, the very first, the opening prologue piece with with the Wax we're talking about, and he's got, and he's pushing out a bubble as he's walking through this area. We're realizing that, okay. I love it. We Locks realize doorknob that. Doorknobs shaking and stuff. And that, yeah, he's a, he's a, addressing the fact that in a in a time that is more advanced than what we were dealing with before. A lot of these powers become less effective and become less worthwhile, so they have to have developed new ways to utilize them. And so we have the bubbles, we have things like that that are created that would be a natural progression to keep Alamancy relevant. Because a coin shot that couldn't do that would essentially only be good if they were a sniper from a long distance. Correct. Right.
3: Correct. And speaking of being a sniper from a long distance, the the use of the powers. I like the use of the of the bubble, but I think far more interesting for me was the use of super speeding a bullet or of mm-hmm. uh, yeah. some of the things that he did with the 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 moment toward the end when he when he shoots um, Tarson um, by shooting it out of the bubble. Who is the... Which, I'm by the way, think.
2: a regular dude with Koloss blood, that... Well, maybe we
0: get back to that. Okay, but actually, now I know yeah. who you're talking about. So when he shoots that guy. When he in.
3: shoots the bullet and then drop the speed bubble and then shoot another bullet to catch the first oh. bullet and deflect it a little more. I mean... That's yeah. the kind of stuff that I'm going, okay, Annie Oakley meet your match right here. Uh-huh. That was really cool.
0: Um even more than with the first trilogy, it was even in the first fight scene in the in the <sighs> at the ball, I couldn't help but go, "All right, that's it." I need a video game. I need it right now. I am sick and tired of not playing Mistborn. See, right? and
2: you and I argue this difference. I'm like, I was like, I need a movie. This this book screams to be a movie. And then we came to the conclusion the that can't we have both?
1: The cinematic styling of the writing is is would fit very well. I don't know that I'd want a movie. I'd want, well, Alloy of Law might be the one you could get away with as yeah, a movie. But yeah. I I'd, I'd prefer like a a Netflix 10-episode series done of this sort of thing. Either oh, it was that, logo, would yeah, uh, that would be good. That would be good. Where they could do a little more justice and, and not just have to worry about compressing too much.
2: Just don't put it on MTV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. If they're anyway. willing to make it. <laughs> anyway, no, not anymore. Um, no, I, I still think video game over movie. Not that a movie wouldn't be fun, and I would. I, it's not like I would say no to it, but uh just something about the gameplay. Yeah, you definitely need... Who doesn't want to be an Alamancer? Come on. It would yeah. be fun. Anyway, uh, other things you guys want to bring up. Go for it.
1: How about uh, Marasi? Oh, okay. She is... So in Mistborn, we we get told the story from Vin's perspective, or relatively, we follow her for the most part. Um, in this one, we have... we're We're following Wax and Wayne... But we've got this third party that's t- discovering, kind of what's happening here. She's, she's our avenue into the story. Kind yeah, of. It, yeah, if yeah, kind it, of. Uh, if you're a Doctor Who fan, she'd be the equi- the equivalent of a companion there to the go. Doctor. Yeah, nice. Um, then that's what your that's the viewpoint that has always been taken with that series, which is largely what she is. I mean, yeah, she is. I don't know. The thing is, I would I would hope that that would expand and change as the as the series goes on, um, but I think that her. Her role in this and what like her wanting to become, uh, her study of the law and everything provides Wax and Wayne with something that they didn't have before in terms of the book studied, uh, the book smarts in there oh, yeah. applied to yeah. that. Um, I really i I appreciated her character, and I appreciated the fact that while you could tell that there's an interest there, that the love story didn't become a, a central a central yeah. aspect of yeah. this. But it, there is enough there in the interest between the two of them that you... That there's, it, there's, you don't feel fuel. Like, there's fuel. There's fuel. fuel there, yeah. Well,
0: and part of I the believe, reason... I believe Hollywood calls it sexual tension. Sexual tension. Uh, but well, we still well, have I'm, to deal with Steris too. Part, I was going to say, part <laughs> of the reason it doesn't become a big deal is,
2: A, she's half his age, and two, he's... Engaged or betrothed, not really engaged, betrothed contracted,
1: to her half to, sister, contract- to her Contracted. Half sister. Talk, about like, talk about a contract. That's, wow. I, I, I laughed. Love.
3: That was another moment that I laughed at when I looked at my wife and I said, the mistress clause. <laughs>
1: the mis- <laughs> yeah. I, my wife is reading this right now as well, and she she just finished with chapter three or four. And she came out, she's like, these books are really funny. I just read the chapter about the about the contract, and I was like... <laughs> I'm a little nervous that you're laughing about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Starris is somebody who very... uh, She takes a minute to warm up to, but... After you get past the initial appearance of her, I liked her. I think every scene that, that Starris and Wayne, I, Wax, sorry, not, wha- uh, not Wax, Wayne. not Wayne, but I called them scenes again. Every chapter that she and Wax are in together just becomes more and more interesting to me, especially you know, toward the end. She, she's basically the, the driving force. She's the plot device. She's why Wax gets involved again and everything, because she gets kidnapped by Miles' group. And so now he's, he's got to go get her. And mm-hmm. and so she's what she's what's driving the thing forward. And when he finally gets to the point where he rescues her, you can just see how these two are really, you know, there's something more there.
1: The, the, the difference. Starris McGuffin. Yeah. Her, um, yes, yes, yes. Yes.
3: Very much so.
0: Can I just I, on, on the note of Starris, uh One of the things that drives me a little bit crazy is book covers and characters on book covers. And so what I mean I by agree. that is I'm sitting here looking over on my bookshelf and Shadows of Self has what I assume to be Wax and Marasi. And, yeah. and then the third one is Wax and Starris from I I don't know that, but I'm assuming that and I feel like that it's would be my spoiling well. it for me. I feel like all right, now we know that he and Staris are gonna end up together and they're gonna go on adventures and blah 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 blah. Yeah. You just know that they're
1: both around I, I guess
0: part. i and ultimately yeah it's not technically giving the story away but like i know that stairs is there but yeah that's she's a, in that's it for that's the long away. hole all of a sudden mm-hmm, you so. know and so i don't love that and they did that with um the not the first iterations of the mistborn covers but the second ones yes. had characters on there yes i uh, oh, yeah. did didn't love that so anyway that's that's all. I don't have anything else to say on that. Uh, but Ryan, did you have anything else on Marasi that you wanted to talk about? No. Nope. Okay. I liked her. She was spunky.
2: Yeah, she's alright. Okay. I
3: always I mean, you guys know me and and my tendency to look for things in in books that I say, "Oh, I relate to that." And I and I feel I'm I am impressed with the way that that particular idea was said. Yeah, I resonated
1: with We really the idea. wish you'd stop doing that, Todd. I know you would So you, I'm going to do really it again right now. Really to bloody Tan, didn't you?
3: No, um that, I'm you, sorry, I'm sorry, by the no. way, can
2: no, is there later. anybody who can write a prologue better than Brandon Sanderson later?
0: Todd, <laughs> oh, go on with man. your point. We'll come back to that. I want to though
3: so he's okay. done a he's done a wonderful job uh there were f- at least as far as I was concerned about reminding me personally that it is not about how. How um, wide my impact is as a human being, but that as a human being, I choose to have an impact um, for me that's a that's a critical issue that's an issue that sits at the heart of what it means to be human, what it means to take responsibility for our ro- for our lives, for roles and change. There were two places that he did it, and I, and I copied those. He said, "I have something to do uh, for you to do. It will be dangerous." She dropped a bullet in the box to be of use in even a single burst of flame and sound is worth more than a lifetime of achieving nothing. Um, I loved that. Um, I love the way that he uses it. I love the way that he uses it as a encouragement to Marasi. But I think he also is using it as an encouragement to those who read, to not just read, but to read and then act, to Choose things to do with your life and to do them. Um, and then the other piece that I that I liked, uh, he said, "You were inexperienced." He, it's uh, Wax talking to to You were inexperienced. So was I once. So was every man. The measure of a person is not how much they have lived. It is not how easily they jump at a noise or how quick they are to show emotion. It is in how quick. Uh, it is in how they make use of what life has shown them. Again, I really, really enjoyed, uh, and continue to enjoy Brandon Sanderson's willingness to insert pieces that speak about what I believe to be his personal philosophy. um, And certainly for me, a philosophy, a perspective that I share.
0: Yeah, it takes it a little bit beyond the, uh, this is just a fun ride and Mm -hmm, makes it a, a, a book that's really worthwhile, worth keeping on your shelf. Absolutely. Takes it out of the airplane book realm. So you, Todd, you didn't know what I meant last time I said airplane book. Yeah, yeah, I do pe- now. I think I do now. People have this thing where they're like, oh, yeah, I'm on a 12-hour flight to Hong Kong or whatever. So they grab a book, they read it on the flight. Maybe they get through it, maybe they don't. Either way, they chuck it in the trash can at yes, their destination yeah. and they're done with it, right? Yes.
3: And, and I, I guess the reason that I never knew that is, and never recognized that is because I never, I never picked up a book in or before that point in my life, um, and really since that point too, I have never picked up a book without saying to myself, I hope this makes me different. Right. As a result of reading it. I don't read to waste time. Yeah. Um, I have plenty enough in my life that I need to read in order to make myself a better human being and better prepared for the challenges that I feel I'm facing or will face or must face uh, as part of being a father, a husband, uh, an an employee, a leader of a team at work, all of those kinds of things. So when I read, um, I have to make sure I I have to feel like it's got to be worth it. I'm going to get more than just entertainment out of the book.
0: I think you do. Uh Ken, you want to talk about prologs? We're we're going to get we're going to get there. This is
3: this is an intellectual statement for Ken. Can we all agree on that? This is not a punch-in statement for Ken. I'm really excited.
0: Well, well
3: Ken... I like
2: the prolog cuz it was a lot of punch-in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you guys read uh Steelheart yet? Have you all yeah. read Steelheart? Mm-hmm. I have not. Okay, good. Todd, you haven't read it. Uh I won't tell you exactly what happens, but I will say This one, after having read Steelheart a year or two ago, uh, it made me go, huh, I wonder, does Brandon Sanderson have this kind of trick that he's going to use a lot where he starts something off with a very violent prologue? And is that his hook? Because in both cases, they were really violent. Yeah. Uh, And 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 quite gripping. Way of Kings did too. Did it? I haven't got. I I have not exactly. It Mm -hmm. wasn't
1: violent, but it was post-violent. It was post Post post-violence. It was post violence It's the thing is, is every all of his prologues revolve around a moment a choice is made. His they all. I'll buy that.
2: I'll buy that. They they set up stories so brilliantly that you can. It shows you exactly. Okay, this is why the rest of this book is happening. This is. Basically, it's a plot point right at the very start. You know, he, he takes, instead of the, the old... Uh, the slow burn. The, instead of the slow burn where you put the plot points in the middle and, and they drive... He takes a plot point and he just sticks it right at the very beginning and says, okay, now the entire thing... It's like giving a bobsled a big, giant push and now it is rolling downhill. It's, They're sliding downhill
1: as it nicely were. Said. Oh, nicely said. Nicely said, sir. Like I say, I, his, his prologues, for at least all the ones that I've read up to this point, basically... It says, this happened, this choice was made, now go on the journey of the repercussions of the repercussions of, the, yeah, of, the the consequences. Again, of, of resolving this. Um, whether you go back to, uh, if I remember at the prologue in Mistborn, being Kelsier walking through the camp and oh, then going yeah, and taking down was... the, he goes and kills a lord and, start, and kind of says, and, you guys, yep. you can, we're starting a revolution. Um, you go into Way of Kings, you have the Ten Heralds abandoning their swords and saying, we're We're done well nine of the ten abandoning their swords saying we're done walking away in this one you have the moment that that wax loses something he loses lessee who's very important to him and decides that yeah i can't you know i I, i'm not sure i can do this and i was really afraid that we were going to spend the entire book with him you know being you know unable to shoot a gun or whatever because he's spent so you know he's been so traumatized by this but that wasn't the case i appreciated the fact that as soon as he did make the decision to act like he pulled out his gun and he was still <laughs> pop pop pop, 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 pop. Yeah. everyone's when, down
3: when wayne looks at him and says you said you didn't bring a gun you should have known me i always carry two
1: yeah <laughs> he went through a trying situation and rather than being destroyed by it which easily could have been the path that brandon sanderson could have taken when writing him uh he changed his focus and didn't yep, become yeah. the brooding sad difficult human being to deal with. Um. But it's it's the thing
2: that drives him back to the city, though that is his uncle's death. It drives him back apparent to the city where... Death. Okay, well, yes, apparent death. Spoilers! Dude, everybody's I thought we just, read... Yeah, I they, we've know. read the book, right? If you're know, listening to this, you've read the book. Okay, but but it's his, it's his uncle's death. Okay, see my air quotes that leads him back to the... And, and Lessie's death after Bloody Tan, who is psychotic, and I love it. <laughs> Holy smoke.
1: <laughs> I think that that... That prologue piece is if they were to create a uh, a, a movie a, a or a video series game. or whatever, that section right there is your trailer. Is is your yeah lead into the whole series? Yeah, yeah. Not to mention the bit that gets you TV MA or rated R, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well sure, can,
0: certainly it certainly sets it off quick. Wax you comes back properly. to the city,
2: and he he finds the, the uh, the twist in frontier life versus city life that everybody kind of believes. Everybody in the city's like, oh, the frontiers, the, the the roughs. That's it's brutal. It's barbaric out there. Everybody's just shooting each other and blah 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 and so and. Wax comes back to, he's got to go back to the parties and the high society and everybody with their conniving and backbiting and all the little intricate games they play. And he says it.
3: No one would do this even in the roughs, even if they hated each other.
2: I I think he says it at the uh, engagement party. It's like, this is the hard life. Uh, this is the dangerous life. Out in the roughs, it was easy. You know yeah. when somebody's shooting at you.
1: Well, that brings up a discussion on that they, he kind of just touches on perspective because uh, I think it's Marassi's the one that, that says to him, well, actually, if you really look at it, um, the roughs actually are safer in the sense that there are more lawmen per, per, person, per person out there yeah. than there are here. And there are more, you know. If... I love that discussion. That was oh, a yeah.
3: great, gri- I mean, I hate to say it, but that was a gripping conversation that about was... the about the statistics of crime enforcement and the, law enforcement.
2: The broken window theory. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. okay
3: now okay. I that I read took
2: that out. and that uh, that
1: that I, took I, out? was.
3: Immediately saying to myself, and I've read that in social journals about the New York subway system. I was a little offended at that.
0: I wish yeah. that he would have just come up with a different name for I it. I agree. That's, I agree. Because the broken
3: not. window syndrome is exactly what they call
0: it. Yeah. I yeah. That took me out. Me too. Yeah.
1: Oh. It's he's not perfect. It, it didn't it, it, I wouldn't say it was a problem. I it, it I, didn't it didn't so take me I out, but I was went oh hey, I, I know where you got that, that huh? from
2: because I've read it in sociology books, you know. I say hair.
1: call it what it is because as soon as you read that if you called it something else you'd be like it's just the broken window theory <laughs> it it works well, because yeah, what do they have there they have windows
0: it's yeah. kind of like for me the and this is a this is a mild thing it's not like oh i hate these books because of this i love this book so don't get me wrong but the the western thing where everything is exactly analogous to late 19th century england and yeah. america right? right it you know couldn't it have been a little more different You know, uh, this might as well, this might as well have taken place in wherever, Tennessee, Colorado, whatever. So that it's kind of the same thing. I I just wish it were a little bit not
1: a little bit less analogous to. You want it to be a little more fancy. I mean, that's the one thing with the original uh, Mistborn, because the world had changed so much you know, the ash falls and everything, everything's going on. It's not, it's not analogous, but really the, the society and everything is analogous sure. to what, what existed yeah. at that time period in the equivalent here. The only difference that we have here is that we got rid of the environmental differences. Um, the the culture actually hasn't really changed that much. No,
3: it really hasn't. The
1: technology has, but the culture hasn't.
3: By the way, but. did anybody else get to the point where they talked about the flowers?
1: Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And, yeah. and the Will flower. Yeah. yeah.
3: Did that? Did that oh, just yeah. make you smile briefly? It did. Say, As a
2: matter of fact. Aw.
3: Aw that was that. that was kind of a nice little moment. That was, I like that. Cute mare. Yeah. I I like the way that Brandon Sanderson makes sure that he inserts things that if you've never read the other books, it doesn't matter. But if you have read the other books, you go. Huh, it's a nice cool. cute little Easter
2: egg. Easter egg. Yeah, it was it, beautiful. It was interesting. I loved seeing how everything has kind of changed, how things have evolved mm-hmm. as they went along. And if you read the broadsheets... Oh, the broadsheets were fun. They're so much fun. Things like, you know, coin coin shot couriers and, you know, you can hire soothers for your party. and st- You know, all of a sudden it's uh, the
1: commercializing of, of alamancy. I do think <laughs> it was funny. One of the broadsheets that it was... There's like an ad in one of on the first one, but in the second one, it's so and so is revealed to be a soother, and it's a political ad. Yes, there. yes. Can you imagine how, like if you that would be a very real thing that you'd have to deal with in in a world of allomancies? Yes. Well, realize, he, the majority of your figures would probably be or be using soothers yeah. and rioters. Even Wax mentions
2: that in in the book that uh, one person won. I don't remember it was like a farm. It was some some just because he was a copper because he was a copper cloud, so he couldn't be. He couldn't be affected by rioters or soothers. And yeah. so he won that election overwhelmingly because of that.
0: Nice.
3: But we could have solved it by just wearing aluminum hats. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: right. That was a nice tidbit. I, I loved the aluminum thing because it's it's another one of those things where you don't have to read the original trilogy to understand it. But if you had read the original trilogy, they just mention aluminum once, I think, mm-hmm. basically, in, in the end of Mistborn.
1: Well, again, it's a and it's, it's right a byproduct it. of the advancement of technology, the fact that... Previously, they did have metallurgists who could create alloys and everything, but they weren't quite as proficient as what a society like the Western, uh, that time period would be able to do in terms of, you know, molding bullets and doing things like that. Uh, so the idea of the prominence, while aluminum is still considered a very rich and rare metal, um, it's it's very, it's a lot more prominent, which is nice because it's the kryptonite to our, our hero mm-hmm. here, right. essentially. Okay.
0: So, we're coming up on the end of our time, guys. Aww. Um last thoughts. I've I've got uh I yeah, yeah let's let's do that. Last thoughts.
2: Okay, I want to know what answers do you cuz you guys have just barely read this, Craig and Todd. What do you want answered for the next books? What what are you burning to
0: know? Uh I want to know what is going to happen between Wax and the two ladies. Um I, sorry, Ken. I like the romance stuff a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested in that. And All for right.
3: me, I'm I'm interested, but I'm more interested in the economic and political machinations that are going on in this one. Um, the last one was pretty clear. We set a tyrant up very quickly and very early, and we made that tyrant just absolutely evil. And then we find out later that mm, maybe not so much, but the outcomes were were fascinating. I'm seeing him just drop little tidbits in this one saying we've got a similar situation. We're going to have a, we, we may not have a Lord ruler, but we have a cabal. And man, anytime I see those things, I like to see them unraveled. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Ryan, I thought? feel like, so one of the biggest uh, qualms with this book that is now not quite as bad um, was that it feels... Like, like of you personally? Me or? personally and others. I, oh, okay. I I know this is a a relatively common issue they feel that the story is unfinished yes yeah this feels like a bond like for me it feels like a bond movie where like he's beat the villain but you know there's still a bigger group out there type deal mm-hmm. um we do get a bit we do get a conclusion in the sense that we, he's you know we we stop miles and everything but we don't get the full story so what i want to see coming from the next from this the rest of the trilogy what's the big story what's the long story mm-hmm. here um in the original mistborn it's the battle between uh, ruin and preservation essentially is and all and that, these pieces are playing out and that doesn't get set up till book two yeah what yeah. is what is the overarching story piece of this trilogy that we're about to enter okay have you read
0: ahead yet or just this one nope okay cool so you and I and Todd are in the same book have you read Shadows of Self I'm
2: I'm almost through Pants of Morning. I, okay. couldn't, I
0: couldn't stop I'm like I gotta keep going that's fine that's fine as long as as long as long two or three of us haven't read it that's cool um, Todd final thought yes or are you good i'm good it, all right so can look, I say
3: actually i'm gonna change my mind okay. one thing i like the ballistics i'm a i'm a shootist oh, yeah, from yeah. a long time ago and i like the way that he used ballistics in this um so many things i could talk about but as those of you who have ever heard my rant on stormtrooper rifles would know i get off on that kind of thing <laughs> and nobody else finds it interesting i'll just say i really liked the ballistics
0: so when I read a book and Ryan knows this and anybody who listened to the Lord of the Rings series knows this, I and Todd, you talked about this earlier. I love to read a book that I feel like is going to change me in some way, um, hopefully for the better, uh, <laughs> although it's not exclusive to that, I suppose. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey. But there was I well, never read it. Todd, how many times have you been through?
3: Zero. I thought oh, you went okay. to see the movie, didn't he you? saw the movie.
0: Oh, that's true. <laughs> Uh, let's not talk about that right now. So, no, there's, there was one spot. It was about a third of the way through the book. Um, and I'm trying to see what chapter is this in chapter nine, uh, wax and Marasi are having a conversation and I memorized the page number, no matter how far I got in the book, I, about five or 10 times, I went back and read that page over and over and over again. And uh, they're having a conversation about stories. She says, "'Stories of good and evil. Most people you meet, they aren't quite either one.'" Waxillium frowned, "'I disagree. Most people seem basically good.'" And she says, "'Well, perhaps by one definition, but it seems that either one, good or evil, has to be pursued for it to be significant.'" People today, it seems, they are good or sometimes evil, mostly by inertia, not by choice. Yes. They act as their surroundings prepare them to act, and that's—it ah, was a great little moment that made me stop in my tracks and go, "Oh crap!
1: Uh, I'm nothing but an inert blob of emotion. Uh, yeah."
0: And, kind and, of, kind and of like and now am you I, have to do something. Exactly. You have to take action. I, what am I doing with my life? What have I done with today? You know yes. what? What am I doing that's making me actually good or bad? Uh, Or am I just floating through life? And and then she gives a great illustration. What if you had a house or a whole world that was lit by a very even light? The things that would stand out would be the really bright lights or the really dim places. And am I one of those? Or am I just floating? Or am I just giving off the same amount of light as everybody else? Oh, oh, that cut me to my quick... I will tell you, you are a dim space. That's a fact. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Um, last thing, I guess. Do do we recommend? I think at this point it's pretty clear. We recommend this book. It's it's a great one. I don't yes. think there's going to be a book in this oh, yeah.
1: entire series that we don't recommend. Yeah, yeah. So far, no.
3: This
2: this is a fantastic continuation of the of the uh, Mistborn series.
3: I think this I think this book also though is a great entry point into Brandon Sanderson's world. You think so? It's a fast read. It was... This one was easier for me to get into. Um, I was only about three three chapters in, and I was hooked. Um, the Mistborn took me a little longer. I'll be honest. Mistborn took me about 130 pages uh, before I felt like I was in it. And then it took me about another 200 pages before I was at the, I can't put this down and stop reading this book. And then you
0: had another 850 pages before you were done. Oh my gosh, which was (laughs) wonderful.
3: And it it has been and continues to be a wonderful experience. Um, but this one, uh, you get to the wedding, you get to the wedding party, which is like what, four chapters in. And uh, I started uh, finding all kinds of reasons at work for people to leave me alone so that I could read five pages. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a for me, it became a real page turner real fast. I think it's a great entry point into Brandon Sanderson's writing style and to the world of
0: Mistborn at large. Hmm. Interesting. Ryan, do you agree with that? Start with Alloy of Law?
1: Um, I can think of worse places to start. I do think I agree with the concept of it because it is a quick read, Mm -hmm. everything. I think that I would not start with Alloy of Law and continue with the Wax and Wayne trilogy. I would say if you're looking for just to get a taste of his writing style, sure. But then go back and start Mistborn. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Um, If if we could find an individual who read Alloy of Law and said, yeah, I could take it or leave it, then don't start them on the rabbit hole that is Mistborn. But, you know, for the other 90% of the population um it's a great a great entry point yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think that you definitely if you're gonna I would highly recommend anyone who's wanting to start the, the in the Sanderson Cosmere to do so in the Mistborn area he does have other things outside of there the Steelheart and things like that that aren't part of the Cosmere that are that are also good reads and part of it but I think if you really want to get invested in what he's doing on the long in the long term the long haul you have to start Mistborn. you got to go into Mistborn yeah Alright you
0: guys, let's do it. Let's get out of here. Thank you everybody for listening and especially thank you to those who are participating in our 2016 Brandon Sanderson Reading Challenge. One down uh, and 12 to go. I mean, well, we've already podcasted about three of them so for us it's nine more to go. Who knows how many podcasts that'll end up being but uh, we will certainly keep you updated both on our Facebook page on our website and in the forum at worldswithoutend.com So thank you everybody for listening we will speak to you in a couple of weeks as we take on shadows of self have a good one
1: the tea's been poisoned